If you've been here the last few weeks, I've been kind of briefly sharing the word God gave me when I prayed about 2024, and that word was, this is going to be the best year ever. And of course, I prayed into that a little more. What does that mean? What does it look like? Now, this is going to be the best year ever that we've had up to this point. And I believe that the word is for us personally first, for our homes, for our church, and for our community. That means Slave Lake can have the best year ever. Now, this being the best year ever, I knew that when God spoke it, I prayed into it, is this How does this word work? And it's a conditional word from God, which means you and I play a part. It's like God giving you words saying, I'm going to bless you abundantly this year if you do this. Okay, so it's a conditional word, not a here it comes uh, magic. Okay, there's no such thing as magic in God's kingdom. There's miracle power, but there's also here's what I want you to do, and when you do it, great things are coming. Okay, just like when God says, if you follow my word, you'll be blessed coming in, you'll be blessed going out. The blessing will overtake you. That's a conditional word. The blessing won't overtake you if you don't follow his commands. Okay, so this is also a conditional word for this year. But I know that we have a group of people who love doing what God's asked, whose hearts desire to serve him. And here's the good news. When your heart desires to serve him, even if you don't do it perfect, he is like, way to go. Even if you don't quite got it right, but your heart was going in the right direction, he is all over that. He's not a God that says, you weren't perfect. So sad. No, 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 no. We just sang about it. He's good. And he loves you. I want to say that because when we're going through these messages, there's a lot of stuff coming out. I don't want anybody to be overwhelmed or feel like, oh, I might as well just give up. That was too much. No, no, no. This could be the best year ever for you. Now, I believe that God's saying this will be the best year ever for those who believe it and for those who are willing to become healthier in all areas of their life. And that came as I was praying about it. Uh, Obviously, Mark 9, 23 is the one that all things are possible to him who believes. And then God led me to the book of Ecclesiastics where Solomon, chapter 5, where Solomon is talking about the fact that he sees people who have the best life ever, and we're just talking about one year here, but people who have the best life ever are not the richest people and not the poorest people. He said he saw rich people that didn't have their health and they couldn't enjoy it, and it was a waste of time. And he saw poor people who had health and nothing. And he came to the conclusion that those who served God and those who enjoyed the work and the fruits of their labor were the most happiest people. They were able to enjoy where God had placed them and they had the health to enjoy the fruit of their labor. And so from this, I really felt God saying, it's going to be the best year ever because he's going to give us keys to become healthier. Healthier... As people, healthier in our homes, a healthier church, and a healthier community. And so we've already begun talking about healthier people. And last week we talked about getting healthier physically. And today, specifically, we're going to talk about becoming healthier mentally. It's right there. Okay. We're going to be okay. Healthier mentally. We need to become healthier mentally. And When I get into this message, I always want to begin with this. 
we're going to talk about scripture and, you know, God doing miracles and things he wants us to do. But before I even get into it, let me say this. We know God can use doctors to help in the area of mental health as well, okay? God uses doctors, and I want to encourage you, if you've tried all kinds of things and you're still struggling, uh, really struggling mentally, you can talk to a doctor. They're professionals that can really help you in that area as well. So I want to just say that right from the beginning. Because I've met people, they went for prayer, they've tried some things, and they're really on the edge mentally. Go get doctors to help. God uses them too, okay? So that's, just leave that out there now, or let's get into the Bible stuff. Let's get into what God has to say. First of all, the Bible clearly tells us that how we think determines who we are. Proverbs 23 and verse 7, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. So scripture clearly shows that sometimes people can fake the outward of who they are, but inside is really who you are. And that goes for us as well. We can train ourselves to say the right things, act the right way, but who we are is how we're thinking and the real us inside. Remember Jesus talking to the Pharisees. Jesus kind of got upset at them, and he said, you know what? You guys have figured out how to make the perfect act. You've got it all perfect on the outside, but inside, you are in trouble. And he was trying to make it clear the real you is inside, and he said to them, he said, you guys are like a bunch of tombs. He said, they're all pretty on the outside, but inside, they're full of dead men's bones. And he was saying, hey, the inside matters. He wants to work on the inside, the real us, and then have that produce something good on the outside. So we're not here telling you just to make yourself look great on the outside and not deal with the inside. Luke 6, 43, Jesus said this, A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are not picked from bamboo bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Okay, let me just say this for a minute. The treasury of your heart. Now, you'll see in Scripture that often mind and heart can be switched back and forth, the heart being the center of who you are. And yes, we know the mind is the thoughts, but often in Scripture, those two go back and forth. He's talking about who you are inside. But I want to just focus for a second on the treasury of your heart. Maybe picture with me, if you will, a treasure chest inside you that you fill up. And from that treasure chest, you give out. In other words, you are able to choose what you put in the treasure chest. What are you filling your treasure chest with? You choose. Now, sometimes other people like to throw some things in there for you. They like to tell you things, do things. And so for some, they have things in there that weren't from them. Somebody else threw it in. 
But ultimately, you can choose to take those things out and remove them through prayer, through forgiveness, and you can choose what you fill your treasure chest with. And when you do that, under pressure, what will come out is the things that are in your treasure chest. So, we're talking about mental health today, and I believe that God wants us to know that there is a battle going on, and it happens first in our thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 has this to say, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We, of course, have read this verse before. There is a battle that goes on, and it goes on, first of all, in your mind. The enemy wants to defeat you, and he knows he can defeat you if he aims at the center of who you are. If he can throw enough thoughts in there to make you give up, he's won. If he can cause you to crash and crumble, he's won. But God says that we are to take into captivity every thought that's out of order. Now, how do we do that? Let's just be practical. How do we do that? Your mind's being bombarded with thoughts, and you want to change it. Okay, how do you do it? Now, if you were here the last couple of weeks, we have a little bit of a theme going. I think it's a safe one, so I'm going to stick with the theme of chips. Okay? Eating chips late at night, bad, okay? But let's say there it is getting later in the evening and you're having these thoughts of eating chips. This is not the way you change it. You don't be like, I will not think of eating chips. I will not think of eating salt and vinegar kettle cooked chips. I will not think of that blue and white bag. That is not how you do it. You will be off to Walmart in a flash to get those chips, you don't fight it that way. You take it captive and remove it, and you choose to think about something else. And last night when I said that, somebody shouted, think of barbecue chips. No, bad. <laughs> Not think of celery sticks. I don't know if I'm going for that. But anyhow, <laughs> you do need to choose something else to think about. You can choose to think about the good things. You can, somebody said crochet the other night. If you love crochet, think of crochet. What about if you're a musician? You can think about the song you're writing, the music you're playing. You change what you're thinking about. All right? Again, that's pretty simple, practical, but take that and try it. Because, you know, there are actually exercises for our mental well-being, just like there are exercises for your physical health. So many people have figured that out. Physical exercise is good. What about mental exercises? They say for your mental stability to be sharp, there are different things you can do. Playing word games for your brain. There's all kinds of different things, and I'm not a specialist on this, so I'm not going to get too deep in that side of things. But you can look it up if you want. Mental exercises for your brain. Of course, the scripture has something to say about that. Philippines 4, 18. Listen to what it says. Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, 
Whatever is lovely and brings peace. Whatever is admirable and of good repute. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. That's amplified version if you're wondering. Whoa, hold on a minute. The Bible is clearly telling us what we should be thinking about. So, let's go back through that. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, worthy of respect. Did you know if you're focused on the most negative news in the world, it's not up there. It's not listed there. If you want to think and play that through your mind over and over, you're going to be depressed, probably even having anxiety or fear. It's not up there. Whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, pure and wholesome. If you can't sleep and you're putting on shows that are not pure and wholesome, that's the opposite of what's up there. Pure and wholesome. This is good stuff, but you guys are getting quiet. I better hurry up. Whatever is lovely and brings peace. Whoa, think of that. Whatever is lovely and brings peace. If your mind is racing and there is the exact opposite of peace, if you're thinking, you're like, when I get up tomorrow, I'm going to be calling that person up and giving them a piece of my mind. Bad idea. Don't give people a piece of your mind. That saying is bad. But what about changing what you're thinking about to something that brings peace? What brings peace to you? Find what that is and dwell on that. If bringing peace to you is thinking about yourself in Hawaii or something, I don't know. When it's 50 below, that brings me peace thinking about that. But anyhow, what is it for you? I tell you, for me, I, I like to think about how powerful my God is. How much he loves me, and man, I feel peace. The fact that no matter how crazy this world is, he's already got it planned out how he's going to finish it up. He's already determined my future, my destiny is already determined in him, and oh man, I feel peace. It's like, woo! he already won the battle. Oh man, that brings me peace, but whatever it is. Shut the other thing down and choose to think about that. That's what Philippians 4.18 is talking about. And I believe that is an exercise. Exercises should be done often. And when you first start to do exercise, sometimes it's, ah, it's, it doesn't feel that easy. Try it on purpose daily, listing some things that you can think about that are in this scripture. Try it. You will feel different, I guarantee now, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 15 has a little bit to say about it as well. It says, Make sure no one repays a wrong with a wrong, but always pursue the good for each other and everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. These things that he is asking us to do in this scripture... These are regular things we should do, always, and each of them requires us to be able to think about something that will cause us to rejoice, think about something that will cause us to be thankful, and then take the other things to him in prayer. This will most definitely help you in your mental capacity. You see, God knew what he was talking about. 
He knew who he created and how he created us. He knew that he created us, that the things that come in to our minds, our hearts, affect us greatly. And we live in a world where we can literally overwhelm ourselves with absolutely anything in an instant with a click of a button. It didn't used to be that way, but it is today. So the choices we make with what we put in are more critical than ever. And unfortunately, the way online and social media has been created, if you've been on a bit of a path bringing in negative stuff, it will just give you more. It's designed that way. If you've been on a path where you're really searching out scriptural stuff, it'll give you more of that too. But what that means, if you've been on a path a little bit different, you're going to have to work hard to change it because even your online stuff will keep throwing it at you. Whoo! Your choices of what you put in that treasure chest are so important. Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety is in the heart of man. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But a good word makes it glad. I'm just going to say this and continue on. You need to fill yourself up with good words. Fill yourself with good words. This is a great place to start. Good words about a good God. I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. If you're one who's like, ah, oh, I just don't like to read. Get the Bible app and let it read to you. When you're driving along, put it on your vehicle. Let the word get in you. It will make you mentally strong. I believe that scripture clearly says God wants us to have a strong mind and gives us a strong mind if we'll receive it. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind or a strong mind. And when I look through scripture, I realize something that our faith in God gives us the mental strength to endure anything and believe for the impossible. Your faith in a God who loves you, looks after you, causes you to be mentally strong. It's amazing. Listen to Isaiah 43 verse 1. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, I've called you by name, you are mine. Oh, I like that. God's looking down at you and he says, I called you by name, you're mine. When you belong to him, whoo, he has got you in the palm of his hand. And nobody can snatch you out. Think about that for a minute if you've been struggling with fear. And then he says this, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flames shall not consume you. Now, I have some good news, maybe a little bit of not so good news, and then some good news. It doesn't say if trouble comes. It says when. That's the not so good news. Hey, we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where people mess up, do things, but here's the good news. When there's some flood coming, when there's some persecution coming, when there's some fire coming, he says, I'm going to be with you. It will not overwhelm you. Now, in the literal sense, this is true, and in the mental sense, this is true. Do you know, I've heard stories of this literally happening. 
I remember reading a story about missionaries, and uh, I don't remember exactly where they were, but they were in a country where you walked to the places you had to go, and they came to a mighty river, and there were supposed to be boats there to take them across. But the boats didn't come. They stayed there for a day, and the next day they decided, well, we have to cross. And they prayed about it, and the leader of the group said, well, he said, the waters won't overflow us. Let's go across. Now, this was a very deadly river. Would, of course, been way over their heads. They knew that, but they decided to go across. And, of course, alligators and all those good things are in the river. They began walking. And the leader of the group went first. He walked. The water went up to about their knees. It never went higher than their knees the entire way across the river. Because God said, I won't let it overflow you. And God directed, and they went. God's word is true. Maybe you're facing something right now today that looks like an impossible river. And you're like, I don't even want to go. I do not want to enter that. I don't want to deal with it. And God's saying, just start walking. I'll take you through. It will not overwhelm you. It won't take you over. And I tell you, when you can tell your mind that, you'll take the first step and the next step. Because, you know, our mind sometimes plays tricks and makes us think it's way more terrible than it even is. Trust him. Be strong. Be courageous. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Maybe you're struggling mentally with what's ahead next week, what's in your future, and you're, you're feeling hopeless. I can't do it. Change that statement. Change that thought to, I can do it through Christ. You see, I'm not asking you to be stronger in your own capability. I'm asking you to be stronger mentally because of Him and what He can do through you. You see, our trust and strength, it's not in people. It's not in ourselves. It's not in our government. Our trust and strength is in the one who will never fail us, who will never leave us or forsake us. Our trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ, and He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I said He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If He's done it for others, He'll do it for you. I tell stories and testimonies that happened in the past to encourage you. He did it for them. He'll do it for you. Often when I tell those stories, people think, wow, they must have been so close to God. They must have been so holy and perfect. They were ordinary people just like us. If he did it for them, he'll do it for you. They had only one thing that they had to do. They had to believe it. All you have to do is believe that he wants to take you, you, to that next step. You. He wants to take you. You just have to believe it. And so many people in their minds stop themselves. Well, I'm not perfect though. I've messed up. Take that thought captive and say, this is not about me. This is about Jesus in me. And he said to go, so I can go. Do you know who wants to stop you more than anybody else? The devil. The enemy. There's a picture in Revelation that says that the enemy was angry and it gives a picture of a dragon coming down and trying to destroy the woman and her seed. That's people. 
The devil hates people because we are God's number one creation. And if he could cause you to give up and fail, he's laughing. But you know what defeats him? People who believe and refuse to quit. If he's knocked you down, you know what defeats him? Thank you, Jesus, you give me another chance. Jesus, take me forward. And now he's crying. (laughs) How come we can't get this guy to quit? How come this lady never gives up? Because Jesus in you, he loves you. Don't quit. I'm not really into fighting and boxing stuff, but anybody who's ever watched boxing or fighting, the guys who win are guys who refuse to give up. They're the guys who can take a hit and keep going. They're like, how is that possible? They just got biffed and boofed in the head how many times and they're still going because they have this inner tenacity that refuses to stop. Well, church, God has given us a mission and a battlefield and then he's given us the power and the inner strength from him alone. Why would we quit? Why would we not have the courage and tenacity to keep on? And to fight again. The old devil tells you, oh, you should just give up on your marriage. That guy's not any good. Or you should give up on your marriage. That woman's no good. Do you know what you tell him? This is really quiet. They're like, what do you tell them? (laughs) Shut up! The Lord Jesus doesn't make mistakes. And he put two imperfect people together for a purpose and a reason. And we choose to serve him and fight together. We choose to go forward. If the devil's been lying to you, telling you, oh, there's somebody better, he is a big liar. The saying, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Just go walk over the other side of the fence and look down. It looks just like yours. That angle from a distance makes it look better. No such thing. And here's the good news. You want the grass to be greener on your side? then look after it. Water it. Fertilize it. Woo! Yeah, you can have the greenest grass in your marriage if you choose to. Takes a little work. You ever drove by those guys in their lawn who just are like all the time in their lawn? You're like, are you crazy? Do that in your marriage. Oh my goodness. Woo! I'm getting excited. I'm getting some tips here from the Holy Spirit. If you're not sure how green your grass is, ask your partner. How would you say the grass is in our marriage? Have an honest discussion. And then talk about, well, how can we make it greener together? That's some good marriage counseling right there. Okay. Ooh, low. Courage and mental strength truly come from faith in him. Hebrews 11:33. Let me read to you a few scriptures about faith. And courage and mental strength. Verse 33, by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. 
Right now we're all like, whoa, I want that. And then the next paragraph, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at had, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. And others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised, for God had something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. You read these stories, and what you will see is men and women of courage and mental strength that will blow you away. I read this, and I'm like, wow, how did they not quit? What made them believe for the impossible? The Lord Jesus in them, which gave them courage and mental strength to continue. Now, I will be honest. The first half of what I just read, I love. The second half, I'm like, no thanks, Lord, uh, not me. I'm okay without all that. But here's the fact. People go through things. Maybe you've been through some stuff that was crazy. I want to tell you right now, don't quit. Do not lose your courage and your mental strength to stay strong for him. Move forward. You know, it talks there about women receiving their dead raised to life. And in the Old Testament, there were a couple stories about that, and also in the New Testament. And I want to tell you one of the stories from the Old Testament in 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 18. We're not going to read it, but let me tell you. There was a prophet named Elisha, and he had a servant man with him whose name was Gehazi. And they would travel the country doing the work that a prophet did, bringing word, uh, praying for people, telling people this is what God said. Because see, back in Old Testament times, God would only speak through certain individuals. Not like today, New Testament times, Holy Spirit can speak to each of us. But that's the way it was back then. And there was a woman whose name they don't give us. They just say she was the, from a Shumanite woman because she was from that area. And her and her husband were wealthy, and she'd see this prophet and his servant going by often, and she said, hey, we need to invite them in to eat. And she told them, anytime you come by here, you stop for a meal. And then she told her husband, you know, we should make a room for him where he can rest as well. So they made a room. They built this room on the top of their house, and it had a bed and a table, and he could go there and rest and sleep. Well, the prophet said to his servant, Gazi, we need to do something for this family because of how they've blessed us. Anything, what do they need? And when they asked her, she said, I don't need anything. And they talked a little more, and Elisha realized she doesn't have a child. And her husband is older, so he calls her and he says, listen, God's going to give you a son by this time next year. And the Shemanite woman says, Man of God, don't you dare lie to me. In other words, she was saying, don't give me a promise that's going to break my heart. Don't you dare lie. And he says, you will have a son by this time. So sure enough, she does have a son. The son grows. They don't tell us how old he is, but it's a few years have passed. And they're out in the field, and the son goes to his dad and says, my head, my head, my head hurts. 
And the dad was working in the field. So he's like most fathers. He's like, uh, go take him to his mom. We got work to do, pretty much. I, I don't know for sure if that's how it was, but that's what they did. They took him to the mom. The mom was holding him, and her son died in her arms. She took the son. She walked him up to that spare room they had made for the prophet, and she laid him on his bed. Now, I don't know about you, but I would say right about then is a great time for a mental breakdown. She should have collapsed on the floor crying and giving up hope, but she didn't. I see mental strength and faith that is unbelievable in this story. Instead, she goes downstairs, tells her husband, get a servant to get the donkey and me, we're going to go find the prophet. And her husband says, um, the prophet isn't walking around at this time, you're probably not going to find him. And you know what she tells her husband? It will be well. Oh my goodness. Not, I have no hope, it's useless, it's impossible. It will be well. And so she takes the donkey and her servant and they go looking for the prophet. The prophet and his servant end up seeing them coming and they're riding pretty fast. And he says to his servant, Gehazi, go down there, see what's wrong. Something's not right if they're coming. He goes down and talks to the Shunammite woman, and he says to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the boy? And she looks at him, and she says, it is well. In other words, this is going to be well, or there's a prophet who's in big trouble. <laughs> such tenacity, such faith. And so, she comes and continues to the feet of the prophet Elisha, and it says she guts off the donkey and she grabs his feet. And Gehazi, the servant, is going to push her away because, you know, that's not respectable or honorable to the prophet. And Elisha says, no, it's okay. So something is not okay and God isn't showing me. God's not telling me what it is. Did you know that God didn't need to tell Elisha because a woman was about to tell him. Husbands, God can speak through your wife. Mm -hmm. This is a good time to say amen because they're listening. God can speak through your wife. And God was going to tell him exactly what the issue was through this Shunammite woman. Oh, by the way, it works the other way too, ladies. God can speak to your husband too. But she says to him, this is her words. When you told me I would have a son, didn't I tell you, do not lie to me? That's all she had to say. And he told his servant, okay, something's wrong with the boy. Take my staff, go down there, put my staff on the boy, because he knew his servant could take off in a hurry running, and he wasn't going to be running, he was a little bit older. But the Shunammite woman says, yes, he can go, but I'm not leaving you. In other words, you're coming with me. You are coming with me. This is going to be settled. What faith, what mental strength. Here she is not falling apart. She's going after what God had promised her and saying this is going to happen. Elisha comes. They meet the servant. He says the boy is not waking up. Something's wrong. Elisha goes and here the boy is dead on his bed up in the upper room. And it says that he paced back and forth, praying. It doesn't tell us what he prayed, but I have a feeling it was probably something like this. 
Lord, you promised this woman a son. Here he is laying dead. You see, Lord, she is determined. And I don't know how my life's going to be if this doesn't happen. Okay, I don't know if he said that. But he most definitely went to God about it. And then it says that he actually laid himself on the boy and prayed. And he did it multiple times. And suddenly the boy sneezed and came back to life. And this prophet now had the great joy of telling his servant, Go tell her, come get your son. He's alive. You know why that boy came back to life? The tenacity and faith of a woman. I would say the prophet gets no credit. Of course, all the credit goes to the Lord Jesus, his power. But it happened because somebody, instead of falling apart mentally, giving up completely, said, no. I don't care what the situation looks like. I know what he said. I know what the Lord said to me, whether it was through a person or not. I know what he said, and I will not give up. Maybe you're in a situation that looks impossible right now. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a work situation. Maybe it's a family situation. You can choose today to mentally give up or to remain courageous in faith. And I tell you, the destiny, the future of what happens is in your hands. It's in your hands because he already paid for it. I believe that God is raising up a courageous, mentally strong people, and you are them. You are not here today because you're a wimp. You didn't come to church today because you're hopeless. The very fact that you can get up and get out when the weather's this cold tells me you've already got what it takes. The fact that you can come and worship and listen. God's going to take you far. This is not the end. This is the beginning of something good. If the devil's been telling you this is the end, he's a liar. This is the beginning of something good. You see, Jesus was anointed to heal broken minds and hearts. When I'm sharing this today, maybe you're here and you're broken. Maybe you've been through stuff that has been so heavy and you're broken. And even while I'm talking about being mentally strong, and you're like, that's easy for you to say you don't know. And maybe you're at a point right now where you're like, I just want to give up. You need the Lord to heal you. Healing the brokenhearted is healing the minds, thoughts, and feelings that all go with it. And Jesus was anointed to do it for you. Maybe you've given out and you've stood all you could and it's just, there's nothing left. I got good news. Jesus wants to give it to you today. I said today. Luke 4.18, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He wants to heal your mind, and he's got the power to do it. Do you know the first Step towards receiving healing for anything. Do you know what it is? That's kind of the, that's one of the first steps. The very first step to receiving healing from the Lord is admitting that you need healing. It's realizing you need healing at all. You know, if you don't 
think you need healing? Well, it's not me. It's just everybody else's fault. Then you won't receive healing. This is not really my issue. They did it to me. When you realize and are willing to admit, man, I'm broken inside. Mentally, I'm struggling. That's the first step to receiving healing. And there is no shame in that. If you've been broken, if you've been hurt by others and you need a healing, what's the shame in that? Nothing. But we do need to say, yeah, I need it, Lord. Give it to me. And maybe you need healing and it's your own fault. There's no shame in needing healing for that either. Maybe you caused all the problem. That's okay. Ask him to forgive you and admit you need some healing. Isaiah 53, 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. The chastisement of our peace. Peace in your heart and mind is a mental issue. Jesus paid for mental issues. Did you know that? He was chastised. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Think about it for a minute. Jesus, one of the things they did to him was take a thorn of crowns, put it on his head, and then they took a rod and beat it down. And in that same place, they mocked him, called him king as a joke, and then told him to give them a word. That was a mental attack. He already paid the price for you mentally to be strong and healthy we need to receive that we need to walk in it jesus said this himself in john 14 27 i am leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart and the peace i give is a gift the world cannot give so don't be troubled or afraid some of us need peace in our minds some of us have been through so much our peace has been stolen it's lost We need peace of mind. And God says, I have it for you. It's a gift. I want to wrap up right now. I'm looking around today, and I want to tell you this. The greatest peace possible, the greatest thing for your health is to receive and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Because in John 3, 16 and 17, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would have life, would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The word saved means to be completely made whole, mind, body, soul, and spirit. So today, right now, we are going to pray. If you're here today and you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, We're going to pray a prayer that allows you to ask him to come in and to make you whole. We're going to do it right now, and I want you to repeat this prayer after me. I want each of you to pray it for that one who may not have ever asked. Let's pray now. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you paid the price for me to be whole. I ask you now, forgive me. Make me new use my life. Thank you, Jesus. I am saved. Amen. Give God praise for that today.